One particular funny note that I wanted to make mention to you, I just, this is, uh, has nothing to do with the sermon necessarily, but it was just kind of a funny little incident we had this week. We did the trick-or-treating with the kids, uh, whatever your view of trick-or-treating is, we did it. And uh, we, uh, our kids were dressed up as Greek gods, um, uh, four of them. We try to find thematic things that they can do to make a family unit of it. So they were four Greek gods. And we were on one porch, and uh, you can look online, I think. I imagine Adri's put a picture of it or something on the internet by now. But he has a long, uh, uh, one of our sons has a really long beard and long flowing white hair. And he approaches the porch, and one of the kids asks him, are you Jesus? <laughs> Older brother said, no, it's Zeus. Um, they must look alike in the mind of a child. But I also wanted to note for you on a more serious note, uh, 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 a deep sense of thankfulness. We appreciate, um, I know I can speak for Pastor Dan, he can speak for himself as well at another time perhaps, but we really appreciate the kind notes and uh, the words of encouragement, the uh, you know, helpful reminders that we're doing something that's important. And we appreciate that. We appreciate that about you. Sure that you appreciate that about us. So we're grateful. Moving on. Yeah, we're glad to be here. <laughs> but this morning, to more important news, is that when uh, what we're talking about is when Paul says, I want to deal with verse 6 through 10 because of the issue of calling. I think there's an important note for us to make here about when Paul says that those who are deserting Christ, and I I gestured in this direction uh, last week, but I really want to fill it out with you. It's a very important piece. And that is when the Apostle Paul says that those who are deserting Christ, if you look with me, verse 6, I'll just introduce it, as was read for you a moment ago with Adam. Verse 6, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him, and this is the piece I really want you to wrestle with with me this morning, and that is him who called you in the grace of Christ. That should be to you as a believer, that should be a signpost. Like, you read that, and you're assuming charitably that there are believers, genuine believers here in Galatia. And Paul says something about those who are called, which you would say of your own Christian testimony, you were called. And then all of a sudden you're reading this text, this person is called, or these people are being judged as having been called, and yet they are also the same group who are deserting the gospel. They're deserting Christ. That should be to you a question of what we call the perseverance of the saints. This becomes an important issue. That is, when a person has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, or perhaps you're not used to the term regenerated, and you say, what does that, let me just say it, when a person has been given new birth by the Holy Spirit, And then we would say, indeed, truly converted to Christ by the birthing of the Holy Spirit. Is it possible again to become a child of wrath and of eternal destruction? Because Paul said, I'm astonished that you, the church I planted, that you, you all, you folk there, are so quickly deserting him who called you. And you say, so Christ called, they heard, and now they are deserting? 
So then it draws us back to ask, is that even possible? Can I desert? The short answer to that, I'll give you up front in case I go too long and I just crash land the plane and you're left wondering. The, the short answer is no. And, and I can't give you the longer answer all about perseverance because what I really do want to deal with is this issue of call. How then are we to understand call? If, you, if one who is truly called cannot desert then what does Paul mean by saying, you who have been called are deserting? Again, this needs to be carefully considered because it touches on your life of assurance. I'm sure emotionally at times, each of us have felt that perhaps we have deserted. Or we think that we see signs within us that desertion is indeed possible. Questions of assurance are heavy always on the heart and minds of saints. It's a theme of Reformation preaching. Is assurance, once they came out of the medieval era and into the Reform period, the pulpits, the theme from Reform pulpits was assurance. We have to ask the question then this morning, for your sake, perhaps now you've been newly awakened to this concern. Or maybe it is a concern. We need to ask the question, what does Paul mean by calling then? In Galatians 1. The answer to that is going to be twofold. It's, it's not singular, that when he would use the term, you who have been called, in other words, called just simply means always and only one called. But rather, even beyond Paul, if we were to leave Galatians, and we can't do a full workup, of course, but if we were to go beyond Paul in the usage of you who were called, and we look at the entirety of Scripture we'll see a consistent use of calling in a twofold manner. I want to speak of this this morning. I want to handle both senses or manners, employments of the term called, so that you, a believer, can have assurance that he who began a good work in you will indeed complete it. And then on the other side is the question of call, is those that perhaps are sharing in a community of faith for other auxiliary reasons that a faith that rests squarely upon Christ as its terminal point, you will be weeded out in the day of judgment. And, and then an invitation to you to lay hold of Christ through faith if you hear his voice today. Calling is twofold, spoken of in scripture, and it's spoken of that way here with Paul. The first of two, which again, I I introduced last week, but but I was running out of time, so I kind of scurried over it, but I want to draw it 
out a little bit more this morning. And that is the first of two senses that I want to explain to you from this passage regarding calling is what we call the external call. Or maybe you've heard the general call. Either which way, you'll get the same meaning or the same sense of the term. If you jot down, it's a general call that Paul's referencing here, or you think it's an external call. However, the two are similar or the same. What does it mean then that Paul says the term calling? I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. What was the calling? It was in the grace of Christ. Paul is indeed looking at the church of Galatia and he is referencing his very own preaching to them. Through which Christ externally called to them. This is what we mean by the external calling. It's what we call the free offer of the gospel. It's what we're doing right now. Freely offering Christ to you as he himself freely offers himself. It's the public proclamation that Jesus is Lord. Unfortunately, when we think of the external call or the general call, kind of what I'm doing now and what we seek to do each Lord's Day, this call, as we see here in Galatia, is often rejected, even if externally conformed to. People belong to churches for all kinds of reasons. They may conform to the external call, They hear the the, the ethos of a church. They hear the idea of the gospel. They see very nice people that tend to get along with each other. They enjoy lunch out with a group that they otherwise are disconnected from. And so they conform to this external call. They, They speak as though they truly internally belong. But to come find out between themselves, their own conscience, and the word of God that is preached to them, they discern truly that they do not. Elders can't determine this. Elders extend what to be an otherwise, in absence of aberrant behavior, a charitable judgment. That indeed you do belong to the Lord as you profess. But only you know. So it is with those at Galatia when Paul was preaching to them. You see, external conformity, it may be achievable, but it is never rightful before God. Remember always, it is he to whom you give an account. As Paul is making clear throughout the book of Galatians regarding this general call, I would share with you also to keep in mind that each of us remember that never is a presentation of the gospel an innocent invitation. Carrying with it no obligation to receive or to obey. Rather, The invitation of the gospel is also a command to you to repent and believe. It 
It's interesting if we look at our Lord's ministry, and, and you know Mark's gospel is very curt, very short, very quick. It, it, just, it achieves a lot through 16 chapters. But if we look at how quickly gospel, the gospel of Mark unfolds, pop, 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 within chapter 1, we see our Lord's very first command of his ministry. You know what that commandment is? Repent and believe. Never is a gospel explanation. If you go to, if you go to Mark 1 and you look at verse 14 and 15, he, he, he speaks of the gospel of the kingdom. He is here pronouncing it. That is, he is proclaiming the truth of the good news announcement. That's why I say never is a gospel announcement a bare innocent invitation. It comes with an obligation of obedience and conformity. He explains it, verse 14, and he demands obedience to it, verse 15. Repent. What should I do with this? The gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed. What should I do with this? Repent and believe it. This is our duty before the Lord. So Paul here, as he calls out to those in Galatia, and he says that you're abandoning, and, I, and I'm amazed that you're abandoning him who called you. He is not only referencing the work of Christ that we're about to get to, but he is also referencing his own ministry to them. It's a dual reference. That is, Paul shares the feelings of desertion. It was his pastoral ministry to them through which Christ had called out to them. It was he who preached grace to them. And they are spitefully rejecting him. By rejecting the free offer, the gospel he has preached and labored intensely to put before them, he feels personally hurt and injured. That's why later he'll say, uh, what was it, uh, where he says later on, um, I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. He is, he is as an instrument wrapped up into the content of the proclamation of the free offer. Martin Luther makes this comment about Paul here. He says, it is as though he were saying, this is Luther commenting on Paul in the personal nature of his work as minister to them in the proclamation of the external call, in the general call of the gospel, setting Christ before them. Luther comments, it is as though he were saying, my proclamation Right? Because Paul's focusing on the words I laid out for you, the, gra- the grace that I preached to you. My proclamation was not about the hard laws of Moses, but I preached to you sheer grace and freedom. Will you now permit yourselves to be carried in another direction? away from such a living fountain, bubbling over 
with grace and life. See, Paul, as I said just moments ago, is warning those in Galatia. And by them, he is warning you. That those who reject the external call, those who right now are hearing the preaching of the gospel and are saying, it's not for me. Those who reject the general call of the gospel, his preaching to them place themselves in a highly culpable position before God. I want to be clear, just I'll make this side note. When we speak of rejection, oftentimes we think in terms of outright disgust or turning away from. Paul here is acknowledging there are those who conform to the community but have internally rejected it. He's speaking to entire congregation of called individuals. Some who have been called externally remain within the body as though they were called internally. And they are here abandoning that call. They are now rejecting overtly that free offer for another. Dan and I attended an ordination service for a young guy um, Friday night in the presbytery that we share fellowship with. Um, And it was a two-hour-long installation and ordination service for this young guy. And it's a nice thing to be a part of, a nice thing to attend, a nice thing to see, a nice service indeed for him and his family, the culmination of seminary and hard work and finally applying for a job receiving a call and being installed. and it, it, it comes with a lot of sobriety. And what stood out to me about our time, our roughly two hours time of the ordination ceremony, um, as we were exhorted upon exhortation, upon exhortation from various elder pastors within the presbytery, was the repeated exhortation from nearly every man to this young man who is beginning ministry. The repeated exhortation or the single thread that we could pull and watch the whole ball of yarn unwind was a repeated exhortation to preach the gospel. Not only to those outside of the church, but also to those within it. Again, Paul is exhorting the entire church. They indeed have been called, if not least through the external call and the preaching of grace. But as I said, calling here is twofold. 
I want to draw your attention to the other aspect of calling that is contained here in the entire address to the church. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. Paul seeing himself wrapped up in that calling as he labored to plant the church among them. And they are now turning from that external calling, from that calling through Paul's ministry to a different gospel. Something altogether a different species. There is a second aspect to this one issue of call, and it is the effectual calling. Or maybe what we'd call it internal. So you could have a contrast between general call or effectual call or external call and internal call. These being the same thing, it doesn't matter the nomenclature. They're the same. What do we mean by effectual calling? Because Paul is speaking to you. Even now, thinking of yourself as indeed a true believer, one whose faith has been birthed of them by the Holy Spirit, and that faith as a vessel has simply received the righteousness of another. It's the empty vessel receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. It terminates reciprocally, only terminates upon him as the sole anchor of salvation. My anchor holds within only one veil. This. To the church of Jesus Christ, he says. That is, his warning to those in Galatia is unto those who have been called includes those who were called effectually. Think of that just for a moment. His warning here about going after another gospel includes a warning to those who indeed have been effectually called or internally called. We have much to learn about this. But what do we mean? If I could just give you a definition to wrap your mind around the distinction I'm making between general and effectual call, what do we mean by effectual calling? What are you meaning in this distinction? I get general, it's public proclamation of the gospel, but now you've switched over to say, and there's a subset or a different type of call, and it's this internal or more effectual calling. What do you mean by it? It is simply this. Effectual calling. Different from general, general calling. Effectual calling is when God, through the Holy Spirit, actually enables us to answer this call. You see, effectual calling, as Paul warns you, the church of Jesus Christ, those in union to him, through a faith that terminates only upon him. Effectual calling is when God, through the Holy Spirit, actually enables us to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered in the message of the gospel. This is different than the general call. It comes through the same means. You don't hear it any other place than through the preaching of that very Same gospel. Those gathered in the church at Galatia, as Paul ministered to them, he preached to them the grace of Christ. As Luther said, a fountain bubbling over with grace and life in contrast to the hard laws of Moses. And his preaching unto them in this broad public sense 
fell upon all the hearers. But only some grew up to truly benefit from the gospel preached to them. How so? That gospel message that was generally pronounced was made effectual in the hearing by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. What's the difference maker? Right here among us, the people of God. If we were indeed a mixed congregation, those in true belief and conversion and those who have gathered and received for an external purpose unto an external means, what is the difference maker in the hearing of the gospel? When the gospel is preached and it falls upon all hearers everywhere, what's the difference between the godly crop that props up? Perhaps we should look, if you have just one moment, I'll start winding it down, I promise. I'm going to speed this up. But turn with me to Acts 13. The only reason I want you to turn to Acts 13 is because this is where Paul's preaching to the churches of Galatia. So he can say to them, you were called. You're rejecting what? My ministry to you, through which Christ called out to you. Because here is his ministry to them. Acts 13. Look at the distinction between the general call that goes out and the effectual call by grace. Notice it in the text. If you're in Acts 13, I I can't go through all of it, of course, but verse 32, you can just jump right in and see where he's preaching. And we know he's preaching because in verse 15, it's called the word of exhortation. That's that's, uh, uh, fancy terminology for preaching. Verse 32, and we bring you the good news. You know that term is gospel. That's what he's doing here. And we bring you the good news, the gospel, that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children. How so? How is this a good news announcement? Jesus has been raised. Jump to verse 48, and I would encourage you to read Acts 13 and 14 of Paul's ministry in Galatia, maybe in the afternoon or any other time. It'll help you fill in the blanks in Galatians as we go through it, but verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Do you see what happens next in the text? Luke, the doctor, very carefully writes for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed it. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. You see, The text is very clear, if only in a snippet. We would have all the time this afternoon, we would just keep going and keep going and keep going from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way to the conclusion of the New. 
It's not a proof text that I just kind of throw at your feet just to kind of trip you up a little bit on something other. I just don't have time. But this is what Paul's referencing as he speaks to the church of Galatia in his days there. He knows they were called. I did the calling. It was my ministry to you of gospel and grace, not law, that I invited you to the free offer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many that day heard and greatly rejoiced and are still among you. But it fell differently upon those who were of that group, truly, who received it through faith. But from whence did that faith rise? It was appointed to them by the grace of God. As many as were appointed to eternal life, what became of them in the hearing? They believed. If I could say in summary, what is the difference maker? In the calling, it is God's predetermined, unconditional electing grace. And every word of that carries much weight. It is indeed predetermined. It is not arbitrary. It is unconditional. It doesn't need from you or lack. And it is by God's sovereign and electing grace that no one can control and no one can make demands of. There are two things we need to learn here in our time as we wind towards the end. There are two things we must learn from this. I wish to speak to you as the church of Jesus Christ with charitable judgment indeed that you are his people and your faith does rest upon him truly. You're not here because you want to go to lunch with someone. You're here because it's Lord's Day and you've been summoned to worship. I say to you, take comfort. Take great peace. Not only in the contents of the gospel, but even in its order. You see, when a true believer hears that he was called by the grace of Christ, he, she, should find all assurance of conscience, peace, and joy in knowing that through that gospel, God called you. You didn't call him. When you think you're falling, when you think you're slipping, when you think you've lost, call to count. How did I arrive by grace in the first place? By another man's work. How could I lose it now by my own? You see, God accepted you through that general call, it fell upon you and it gave you birth to new life. Because God accepted you despite your lack of merit that day. And he accepts you still now despite your lack of merit today. Because it's the merits of another through which he receives you to himself. 
the order of the gospel ought to give us peace. The second thing I think we need to take away from this thought and the issue at hand in Galatians chapter 1 is the danger of false teaching. While it is true, and I want to end this way with you, I want you to maintain that sense of assurance. But the assurance is fueled by a fire of perseverance. You see, while it is true, and I maintain, and I would defend all and every day, the truth that the summary of Scripture teaches that those who have been effectually called cannot finally and fully fall away. They cannot. We could go text after text after text. It's built into the covenantal structure of God, the way that he deals with mankind. Nonetheless, alongside of it, perhaps we should say, Paul stresses with great urgency the necessity of perseverance on the part of all true believers. The necessity of perseverance for all true believers. One author makes this comment in my conclusion with you. Regarding this text, the infallible certainty of salvation, that is, it cannot fall. It's infallible. What you maintain, what Christ has given you and drawn you up to himself in union, it cannot fail you. The infallible certainty of salvation, as respects true believers, does not render their perseverance any easier. As though the Christian were playing a game instead of fighting a stiff battle. But it is a battle from which a true believer, hear this, but it is a battle from which a true believer, as distinguished from a mere pretender, will never turn away until that battle is finally won. So our Lord says to you, to me, as we come to his means whereby he maintains us. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Let us pray. Father, We come boasting of Christ Jesus, our Lord. We give great praise and thanksgiving for the free offer of the gospel. I pray that that there be any here among us who is lacking sure-footedness of their union in you, where their faith does terminate, whether it's upon self and a number of many gods or not. Let them get assurance and clarity. Seek a brother, seek a sister, speak the session. Find sure-footedness this very day. Indeed, it is your intent that we would be assured of your covenantal love, that you called us. We did not summon you. Oh God, let confidence arise. If there are those here who indeed know the distinction, know that they do not belong. 
I pray that you'll birth in them grace and faith, indeed the power to repent. At this very day, your eye, as we sang earlier, would diffuse a quickening ray. Their chains would fall off. A dungeon of life would flame with light. They will arise and go forth. We owe this to your spirit, to your sovereign goodwill and your pleasure. We give great thanks for our Lord, the salvation we possess in him. Now, O God, nourish our souls through the reminder, through this table, of his suredness towards us. So surely as this sign is held out. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.